Welcome to the Recharge Your Life podcast with me, Dr. Carrie Ulrich and Kelly Gunther. We are thrilled to talk to people who have made a decision that recharged their lives. Often they push themselves out of their comfort zones and took risks. We want to know about that decision point. Why did they make that decision? And most importantly, how can we learn from them? Kelly and I are passionate HR professionals, and together we co-founded our HR consulting firm, Abrachi Group. We have talked to amazing people throughout our careers and listened to them as they made decisions that changed their lives and knew that these inspirational stories would help others. And why did we call it Recharge? It's based on a book I co-authored called The Way of the HR Warrior, and in it, we have a leadership model, CHARGE, which stands for courage, humility, accuracy, resiliency, goal-oriented, and exemplary. We know that people used one or more of these qualities to help them make their decisions, and we want to learn from them. Now, sit back, listen, and be inspired by these stories, and then do something to recharge your life. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. It's Kelly. We're so excited to have Nadine Chapman as our very special guest. Nadine is currently the manager of mediation services for the World Bank Group, an international finance institution that employs over 30,000 staff worldwide. In that capacity, she manages a decentralized team that provides employment mediation, facilitation, organizational consulting, and training. She joined the World Bank Group in 2000 as a mediation officer. Nadine has held several positions within the World Bank Group and has extensive experience handling complex employment case matters and is a trained mediator, facilitator, arbitrator, and trainer. Prior to joining the World Bank Group, she served as an attorney advisor and dispute resolution specialist for the United States Department of Health and Human Services. She's also served as an adjunct professor at the Howard University School of Law and Catholic University of America. Nadine has an interest in empowering individuals, in particular women. To that end, she's been a featured speaker at numerous conferences and events. She holds a Bachelor of Science in Psychology from Howard University and a Juris Doctorate degree from the Catholic University of America School of Law. Nadine, it's such an honor to have you on our podcast today, and we always like to start by asking what show, podcast, book, or blog do you go to when you want to push yourself and expand your thinking? Hi, Kelly. It is an honor to be here this afternoon uh, talking to you. And I will tell you, that's a great question that you've asked me. I um, have numerous sources that I go to when I want to recharge and recalibrate myself. But my favorite is a book called The Alchemist um, by Paulo Kahlo. And it is easily um, one of the most um, instrumental books that I have read as far as helping me when I find myself doubting my ability to manifest what it is that I'm seeking to achieve in my life. Um, And there's a quote from that book that I want to share that I find in particular um, captures the essence of the book to me. Uh, And that quote is, when you want something, all the universe conspires in helping you to achieve it. And I believe that, and I've seen that happen uh, in my personal life, uh, in my professional life, um, and just um, in the lives of those uh, individuals that I have relationships with, and even those that I don't know, um, I see how this uh, manifests itself on a daily basis. 
Hi, Nadine. Thank you for being on our show. Uh, I've seen, you know, that book that you just listed. I know I've seen the cover every time I go into the bookstore and I've never picked it up. Uh, what, and I love the universe conspires to, to help you and that idea and that spirituality. What prompted you to get the book? Did you always kind of believe that? And so you saw the book and you thought, oh, this is helpful, or you kind of didn't believe it and then got the book and went, eh, I don't know about this. Like, where were you on that spectrum of, of believing this, what the alchemist is putting down? Thank you, Carrie. I, I would like to say the book kind of found me and it, mm. it, like much of life, I find uh, with the saying that when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And I will tell you, I read that book about 30 years ago. I was in my 20s and I co-founded a book club called Novel Ideas. And we read various uh, genre um, of books um, during the 10 years that we were active. And I remember we would have themes of books that we would read or that we would select. And it's funny, I really can't tell you how the book came into my possession, but I know it was around that time. Um, and I know that interestingly enough, um, at around that time in my life, I was actually um, exploring and trying to figure out what the next best or big moves would be for me um, professionally as well as personally. And this book really helped me in guiding my decisions and also making bold steps that needed to be taken in order to move me from where I was to where I ultimately would end up going. I That is so wonderful that you said the student... Oh, say it again. The student is ready. When, when this, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. There you go. When the student is ready, the teacher will appear. I love that. I think that's been a theme for quite a few of our guests that kind of, it appears when you're ready. So some of us might kind of should ourselves like, well, I should have known about this years ago, or I should have done, or I should have done it. It's like, no, you weren't ready in your journey. You weren't ready at that time. And so when you're ready, the teacher appears. And I love that this book is so important to you. And at the same time, like it was kind of presented to me somehow. Like, I don't even know the origin story right now. It's just, it was in this book club and, and, and it is so meaningful to you and how you've lived your life and how you've changed your life over probably the, those 30 years and how it's yes. significantly impacted. What do you think, um, you, you said the quote, but is there something else about that you really think about maybe, you know, daily or weekly or monthly that really does guide how you live because of this book? Well, what, what guides me through the book is that really, and I've heard other people say this, so it's not really an original thought um, that I can take full credit for. Um, but I will say through my life, what I have found is often we are our biggest stumbling block, you know, uh, Often it's not other people, it's not situations, it's really um, our inability to think beyond our current environment or our current situation um, and our ability to, our inability to see ourselves in a grander, um, in a, in a grander way, um, in a way that 
um, breaks whatever limitations we've allowed to be placed on us. Um, when I was studying at Georgetown University to get my certificate in organizational consulting, we used a term or they used a term called your dinosaur tail. And I love that because uh, what they told us is that we all have a dinosaur tail that we drag around with us. Um, we can't see it, but it's very much there. It's this big dinosaur tail and it gets in the way. And in order to deal with the dinosaur tail, you have to know that it exists, first of all, and you have to find a way to check it. You know, it's like baggage. You have to find a way to check it um, so it doesn't trip you up or get in your way. So, what I really love about the book is you have the story of a, a young shepherd boy um, who has um, aspirations that a young shepherd boy normally would not have at that time, um, but yet he held true to his aspirations and his aspirations came to fruition. And I have found in my life that whatever I've really wanted badly for myself or that I've committed myself to um, no matter what, what other people thought about it, which sometimes some people have actually even laughed at me when I stated my mm -hmm. ambition. Um, once I held true to my vision, ultimately God, universe, or whatever descriptive you would like to use, um, helped open the doors that needed to be opened in order for me to achieve that goal. So um, that's why that book is so powerful and, and how I've applied it uh, personally. That's, that's beautiful. And I was just thinking too of your, you do so much work in, in mediation. And when you say that we're kind of our own biggest problems, or I'll quote one of my favorite, RuPaul, who talks about if anyone <laughs> watches Drag Race, which I do constantly, uh, she always talks about your inner saboteur. And mm -hmm. it really is, for the most part, we are our own biggest problems. And I was thinking, you know, we get into our heads, we can't get over something. I mean, we are constantly kind of getting in our own way with that dinosaur tail, which that's a, that's a new one. I've heard about the baggage, but I, I like that dinosaur tail. But I was thinking with you in doing so much mediation and doing all this conflict resolution, a lot of these conflicts, people are, yes, you have a conflict with someone, but they're also in their head and they get in their own way of the resolution. So a lot of it is the work that the person needs to do, not that the actual conflict's happening, because we have the ability to de-escalate a conflict at times, and we choose not to, right? I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree. I really agree. Mm -hmm. um, I could, I'm shaking my head. I couldn't agree more. Um, since we're talking about TV shows, I know not everybody is a Dr. Phil fan, but I, many years ago, I, I would watch Dr. Phil and... Um, I would uh, always chuckle when he would say to people, um, what are you getting out of this? You know, yes. when they would come and on his yes. show and they would say, oh, this is terrible. My wife or my husband and my neighbor and, uh, and, um, and he would say, you know, what are you, what are you getting out of this? Mm -hmm. what, is, what, is, what is the payoff? Um, and I believe that even when people are in conflict, um, which is my specialty, um, as you know, Carrie, because we've had the pleasure of working together, um, often people have narratives that they bring with them yes. um, into the conflict. And sometimes people are so vested in their narrative um, that they're unable to let it go um, because they're getting some sort of weird satisfaction um, from being in conflict with this individual or vilifying this individual. Um, so I, I, I think to 
RuPaul's point, um, we are <laughs> we are our greatest saboteur, saboteurs, saboteurs. I don't need that word. Yes, I, I can't say it as gracefully as he does. She does, but I agree. I agree with that point. And I think, I think too, I, I do love the question that, cause I remember Dr. Phil, some of those little sayings he has are, are quite good. Right. And what that question is, what are you getting out of it? I love that question. And so when we coach leaders or just even when Kelly and I are talking about just what's going on in our lives, you, you kind of have to ask yourself, well, I keep getting in this situation and what am I getting out of it? Either Maybe I like to be the martyr, the put upon one. That's why I surround myself with people who need help all the time. So I can be like, oh, poor me. Or I'm always in this conflict with this person and poor me. Like you're getting something from it. I remember we had a friend who um, had a, a, a girlfriend and she wasn't very nice. And he was always telling stories about her. And people would be like, oh, poor you, poor you. And when he finally went to the therapist, the therapist said, I don't even care about that. Why are you keep doing it? Why you keep? Why are you with this person? What, what's it about you that what's it feeding you that you get to tell all these stories and people feel like poor you? And he was like, "Uh oh." I was like, "Yeah, that's a great question. It's a great question." Um, thank you for that. Maybe I'll finally pick up the book that I've seen now for thirty years at the bookstore. Every time <laughs> I go. Maybe finally I'll do something about it. Thank you, Nadine. So the big You're question welcome. is. What is the decision that you made in your life that changed the trajectory of, of what, of your life? And what are those, uh, uh, sorry, charge qualities that you use to help you make that decision? Oh, that's a great question. There have been, uh, many, uh, pivotal, uh, decisions I've made in my life. Um, one, that decision that changed the trajectory of my life um, was my decision to leave the federal government uh, 21 years ago and uh, join the World Bank. And I found that decision actually had a huge, um, hugely profound impact on me um, professionally, but also personally. Uh, it was a huge decision. And to give um, those listening a context, because they may say, well, what was so big about it? Um, to give you a little bit of background around that, I joined the federal government um, my third year in law school. And within eight years, I had four promotions. I was promoted from a GS-7 to a GS-14 um, in record time. I would say within six or seven years, I was already a GS-14. Um, and I wasn't even 30 years old, and I had already kind of hit the maximum um, that I could hit within my grade scale. Um, during that period of time, I also had met my now ex-husband, and I was uh, married, newlywed, and I was preparing for my next phase in life, which was to be a mother. And um, I left what my mom would call the good government job. Um, to go into the unknown and work for the World Bank, which, although it is very well known and it's highly esteemed, it, it is a different environment altogether. And it was going into foreign territory. Um, and I would have to literally start all over again um, at a point in my life where I 
um, for some people uh, could have easily coasted um, in my boat on the ocean and uh, had my children and moved on or stayed stagnant. Um, But that did not work for me and that is not who I am. Um, so there are a few principles from your your wonderful book that that applied to that period in my life and that decision, and one of them was courage. Um, that that uh, jumped out at me right away, um, and and the courage that I exhibited was the ability to make a significant change in my life at a period of my life or at a time in my life when. Most people would, or some people would, probably do the opposite. Um, And also making that decision, knowing that that decision was not supported by my mother, who, um, if anyone knows me and my mother, we have an extremely close relationship. So it took a lot of courage for me to do that. And also, um, it took a lot of courage for me to move out of my comfort zone. So that was one thing our one principle that I that I used um, to help me with that decision was kind of pulling on my personal courage and my tenacity. Um, the other principle in your book that I pulled from or that actually motivated me during that period was um, my goal orientation. And I will tell you that from when I was young, I always wanted to work at the World Bank. That was one of my goals. That was something that I always wanted to do. So when the opportunity arrived at the right time with adequate preparation for me to apply to go to the World Bank or to compete to go to the World Bank, I was ready. Um, But I was ready because I had a clear vision and I had a goal And that goal was in in alignment with my values and where I saw myself going. Um, And then finally, um, Carrie, resiliency, um, I would say, was the principle that you have in your book that I pulled from. Um, My transition into the World Bank was not easy. It was a totally different environment, totally different culture. Um, Americans make up 10% of the population I went, um, I joined a very small team. Um, so it took me a couple of years to get my sea legs under me. And I drew from the concepts um, that you outline around resiliency. Um, that helped me. Um, and now, 21 years later, uh, I will say that it was one of the best decisions that I have made in my life, um, just taking that one position um, really has has been a, a a real game changer for me in many ways. Nadine, that's such a beautiful story, and I love that decision. And I love how you're so thorough. And you said courage to go. I'm like, oh, it's beautiful. But now I got to go all the way back because I want to ask more questions. But I have to ask this question first because you said, as a young girl, you always wanted to work at the World Bank. And I got to know more, Nadine, because that is unusual to hear about how a young person, like how old were you with like, I just envision you with like, for some reason now I envision you with like books all around and you're like, one day I didn't even know what the World Bank was like until I probably met you. So like, how you got to explain to me as a little girl, how you knew about the World Bank and why you wanted to work there. Well, thank you for asking that question, and you brought a big smile to my face. My my mom's eldest sister, my aunt Jerry, um, who's the second mother to me, 
Uh, she worked at the World Bank. Um, she worked at the World Bank. She was hired in 1968, the year I was born, and she retired from the World Bank in 1989 um, as an executive assistant. And she would tell me stories about working in the World Bank, how fascinating it was. Um, she uh, had a very high-level um, administrative position. She reported to vice presidents, so she um, was exposed to um, a lot of people in senior senior leadership positions, and she excelled in her in her work program. And also what she did is um, whenever one of her colleagues would travel to a country abroad, she would ask them to buy a doll from that country for her niece. And I, over the years, and she would save the dolls for me. And I ended up having a collection of about 35 dolls from all over the country, oh. all over the world, I should say. Oh. Um, so my aunt really planted that seed in my head. And I think that's the incredible, um, impact, you know, it's, 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 uh, interesting how, when you expose young people at a young age to something, um, how it can really shape the decisions that they make in, in their future. So I always found the World Bank fascinating as a young child. And when I graduated from undergrad, I wanted to work there. I was like, I want to eventually work here. Um, and I asked somebody who worked there, who was a friend of my aunt's, what it would take for me to get there. And I was told, you know, you're not an economist. You don't speak multiple languages. So <laughs> the likelihood of you getting into the World Bank is not that great. But you know what? Being the hard-headed person I am I and the resilient it. person I am, mm -hmm. I said, you know what? you're not going to stop me from my aspiration. Um, so eventually I ended up right where I always really wanted to be, um, which was the World Bank. So thank you for asking. I don't get asked that question often at all. So uh, thank you for asking. Well, like I said, you said it. And I thought, I got to know more about this young girl who wanted to be in the World Bank. But I think <laughs> your example of of how exposed, so many, so many nuggets in there, exposing children. So the fact that you just expose your kids to as much as you can, you never know what's going to stick. And it could be just a visit to a museum, a visit to uh, a dance class, like who knows? You just, you honestly don't know what's going to stick. And the fact that your aunt, I love that story of bringing you the dolls and exposing you to all this and look how it really changed your life. And I'm sure your aunt never thought that she said, here's my niece, I'm going to get her some dolls. Isn't that great? She never thought, oh, good, I'll make sure she works here. Uh, so the importance of having someone in your life to, to expose you to those things. And then also your resilience and courage constantly, Nadine, of, <laughs> did you tell me I can't be in the World Bank? <laughs> oh, I will be. I will be. So yes. I think I, as soon as they told you you're not going to be, you thought, well, that's not true. I'm going I'm to do it. I'm going to do it. Talk about resilience. You didn't, you didn't bow down to that and go, okay, you're right. I'm not an economist. Um, so that was my, that was my, I had to ask that question first, but I want to go all the way back to when you, we've talked about this quite a bit on, on this podcast, which is people who kind of are in the, that's a good job, right? You have a good government job. I'm using air quotes. You, what, what are you doing leaving a good job? Like you have it, you got a job, you got benefits, you'll have a pension kind of thing. 
And so what it takes for someone to step away from that, it's a little bit different if like you were fired or something and you, you had to restart, but you actually stepped away from being so successful at such a young age. And what, what was it about it that you thought, this isn't, this isn't right. Cause it's hard. And you went against your mom who you have such a close relationship with. So what was, take us through that kind of thought process of you going, no, nope, I'm going to step away. Yeah. Thank you for asking me, um, Carrie, about that. Uh, I would like to say, I mean, I think we all know intuitively whether we uh, acknowledge it or try to deny it. I think we know intuitively when it's time to shift gears or when it's time to um, to move, you know, whether it be a marriage, whether it be a job, whether it be a friendship, um, whether it be, you know, changing a lifestyle habit um, in order to live a healthier life. I think we all know what we need to do or we sometimes get whispers or, you know, I I will tell you one day I was um, standing in front of the um, Hubert Humphrey building, the main building of the Department of Health and Human Services. And um, I don't know, I mean, call it God or my inner voice, but something just said to me, you are so much bigger than this right mm. now. You need to move. You need to you need to go. You need to play in a larger sandbox, basically. Mm. And, um, and that was the message that I got. And I could have ignored it and said, you know what, I kind of like where I am because I really liked my job. I want to stress to the listeners, I didn't leave because I was unhappy. I have left jobs because I'm unhappy. I left because I was not growing enough. Mm -hmm. You know, my wings, I felt like I needed to fly and I was ready to fly. But the environment that I was in was not giving me that, that, you know, that perch that I needed to lift off from. So, um, so to me, it was more of a calling. It was more of a, you know, an, an, a knowing that whatever it was that I was supposed to get out of that position, that I got it. And that it was now up to me to move forward. And, um, and I will tell you, the World Bank was not the first job I had applied to. I was trying to transition out of that job for well over a year, maybe even up to a year and a half before I eventually um, was selected for the World Bank position. So it didn't happen. It's not as if I woke up one day, oh, I got the job. It was literally a process, which life is. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it started with knowing um, that I needed to make a change. I needed to make a life change. I, Nadine, when you talk about that change, you, you said we all have this, this uh, voice sometimes that maybe tells us, oh, this isn't right, or about jobs, like you said, merit, anything, relationships, friendships, but not all of us have the courage to listen to the voice. I think we might have that, but not everyone says, nope, I'm going to make that change. So I think when you talk about that courage, it was the courage to actually listen to your voice and then do something about it. So that was the first step to listen and then do something about it. And that, as you were saying, the resiliency you just didn't, as you mentioned, you just didn't wake up and say, oh, I want to go to the World Bank. And there was the job. How wonderful. No, it took you maybe less, you know, a couple of years to get there. And you kept trying. And even though you were told no, you kept trying and you did and you did more. What 
you have so many great lessons in your story, Nadine, for people who are listening and it's inspirational. What, what is some uh, very specific advice you have for our listeners on what they can do maybe when they hear that voice or they need to make a change? What has helped you with that decision? Well, I think, first of all, um, what I, I believe is that we really need to spend more time um, with ourselves and, and really um, listening to our inner voice, you know, um, being aware, you know, taking an inventory. I, one thing that I've done, which I find, because not everybody um, is a feeling person. Um, some people are more into their heads, which is fine. No judgment at all. I kind of vacillate between the two. Um, but I definitely am more of an intuitive person and empath in a lot of ways. But what I have found is that it's very useful to take stock of your life um, periodically. Um, and when I say take stock of your life, I mean, really just sit back and, and look at all of the areas of your life and how you're doing. Um, how are you doing with your career, with your health, with your family? Um, you know, what are you doing? You know, what, what are you doing for yourself? You know, are you taking care of yourself? And kind of giving yourself an, a, a, a scan of your life, you know, an inventory of your life. And what I have done career-wise is I have um, done this periodically is I've written down what my strengths are and what my what it is that I can bring to the table. What is it that I can bring to the table? And what is it that makes me special? You know, what is that one ingredient um, that I have that makes me stand out from other people? And I think everyone is unique. So what is that one ingredient and asking yourself, am I leveraging that ingredient? Um, I will tell you my ingredient has been um, my communication and conflict resolution skills. And what I have done is every job that I've had, I have found a way to weave that into the job. Even if it was an HR job or an ethics job or a legal job, I've always found a way to have that core strength be part of my platform. You know, oh, Nadine on my team, she's the one who does that. You know what I mean? Um, so I think that's very important. I think um, being nice to ourselves is very important. I find sometimes we spend way too much time focusing on our failures and also mm -hmm. focusing on our, our weaknesses mm -hmm. instead of focusing on our strengths and forgiving ourselves for um, mistakes that we probably needed to make <laughs> because mm -hmm. um, I've learned the most about myself and others when I've fallen down, not when I've always been, you know, flying. Sometimes you have to fall down in order to get up and fly higher. Um, so celebrating, um, you know, not only your successes, but also um, seeing your, your failures as a launching pad for your future. And, um, and I guess finally, I, I would say, um, my advice would be to, you know, seek mentors and expand your network and, um, try not to put yourself in, in, uh, what I call an Alice in Wonderland kind of situation, which I fell into myself. I, I joined the World Bank and it's an amazing organization, but, I found myself cutting myself off from all of my external contacts and, you know, just kind of falling into that organization solely and not really smelling the roses outside. And I think that, um, 
you know, you want to avoid having tunnel vision and um, try to keep yourself firmly planted where you are, but also not so firmly planted that, you know, you're immovable. Because that happens to some people, they're immovable and then they become stagnated and then nobody wants to hear from them. So (laughs) those are some lessons. I probably shared more than I should have, but those are some lessons. They did so beautiful. And I think, uh, of course, I've known you for for quite a few years. Kelly um, has just met you and I feel like Everything, all your advice is so beautiful. And I think everyone can understand now why you were probably, you got promoted so quickly at such a young age, (laughs) because you are so profound in your lessons and your advice and just so beautiful. And I know Kelly, you know, that we've talked quite a, quite a bit on this podcast about listening to that voice and, and doing something about it. But I love what Nadine said around what is that thing that makes you special and stand out? And it's, we, sometimes we say superpower, but, and then I love how you said, and then I, I wove that into my job. So even if it wasn't part of my job, I knew that I was really good at this. So I'm going to figure out how to weave it in. And I love that. That's such just beautiful advice. And then of course, being nice to ourselves and, and seeking out mentors. But Kelly, I think you can see why we already talked about why Nadine has like an amazing background. And now we see, this is so beautiful and why you teach Nadine and why your peace and conflict resolution. Come on now. That was obvious. That's obvious. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I was just going to say, because in human resources, there's never any conflict whatsoever. So oh, there's never. never anything that you have to try to negotiate <laughs> or work through disagreements. What? Oh, no, no, you're not. You like uh, you never, right? Never when you're dealing with humans, does that right. happen? <laughs> What I really appreciate about what you shared is the confidence that you speak, the confidence with which you speak, Nadine, uh, especially for, and I love in your biography, um, that you have such a um, interest in empowering women who I think tend to more frequently than any other you know, gender tend to, necess- tend to um, reduce their worth. It's easier for them to say things like, well, I don't have enough experience or my education isn't quite what it needs to be. When really, if we look at you know men, there's oftentimes they have maybe 60% or 40, maybe even less than that of the qualifications. And yet they have no problem feeling confident enough to apply for the job and, and oftentimes will even get it. So what were what has helped you in, with that confidence and speaking so confidently about uh, who you are and what you bring to the table? What would you attribute that to? Oh, wow. That's a great question. I would like to say that my confidence has come like fine wine, right? It's come with, with age. <laughs> it's not, it's not, uh, I, I've never been an insecure person, but I do feel that um, with years, um, as I've gotten older, I have come to appreciate more my value and my self-worth and I've also, I'm not afraid of uh, being alone. I'm not afraid of standing out in the crowd. Um, and I, um, I believe that I have something to say. And uh, I will tell you, I had a, a mentor, uh, vice president, uh, uh, Korean of Korean American descent. She's unfortunately passed away. 
um, from cancer and she, she was tough. She was not, she was a tough cookie. (laughs) She was not easy um, on any of us, but she said to me, Nadine, you know, why are you, why do you want to work in HR? um, If your background is conflict resolution. And I, I explained, you know, I think HR will give me an opportunity to expand my skills and blah, blah, blah. And she was the one I will have to give Dorothy Berry credit um, for saying, hold on to that conflict resolution piece. But also to answer your question, Kelly, Dorothy said something very powerful to me, which was that, remember, you always have a seat at the table. You don't have to ask permission you have a seat at the table and you need to claim it. And that has helped me a lot. Um, Not asking permission to speak, um, not apologizing for my voice. I hear women often apologize, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, So being aware of our language um, and kind of speaking from a place of power um, and empowerment. Uh, We had talked earlier about, um, the word should, eliminating the word should, or trying to trying to eliminate the word should, which even snuck into my vocabulary um, in this interview. So I'm very mindful of what I say, um, but not to the point where I'm paralyzed, but I'm mindful of the power of words um, and also my body language and um, also the importance I have found of setting boundaries so that um, I can be viewed as someone who's worthy um, of uh, time and attention and recognition. So those are all some of the things that I've done that I recommend that um, individuals consider doing, particularly women, uh, because I don't see us doing that as much in the work environment. Well, I have to say I'm guilty as charged on almost too many of those I'm thinking, oh my God, I need to start all over again. Um, Especially with the I'm sorry, I tend to say that way more than I should. I know in the back of my mind, but it becomes so, uh, it becomes so natural almost that it is something I'm constantly having to work through. But um, that having a seat at the table, now claim it, that now claim it piece isn't what I've always heard with the, you have a seat at the table. The now claim it though, just makes it so much more, you know, resolute for me and hopefully others as they're hearing this. So uh, just such appreciation for being able to speak so art, uh, so clearly about the steps you've taken and what you're conscious of and that it's always a work in progress, but that you impart this wisdom onto you know, other people in particular women is something that I, I um, on a personal level, very much appreciate. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us, for um, being so um, uh, articulate in the way in which you offer advice. Uh, It leaves very little to the imagination, which I always appreciate because sometimes people question themselves and and maybe the advice they're getting more than they should. Uh, And again, just thank you so much for for being with us, Nadine, and and sharing your journey with us from the US government to World Bank and everything everything in between. So very much appreciated. And if you'd like to follow Nadine and and, uh, speak with her or, or carry on the conversation, we highly recommend you do so. You can do so at LinkedIn at Nadine Chapman. And of course, we'll include that information in our show notes as we always do. Once again, Nadine, such a pleasure having you on our podcast. Uh, Really very uh, appreciative of your story and the experience and the journey that you've shared with us. 
Thank you very much, Kelly. It was a pleasure being here. And I also want to thank Carrie also for inviting me to be here. It is always an honor uh, and pleasure to reconnect with not only a dear friend, but also former colleagues. So I do want to thank you both. And most of all, I want to thank your listeners who uh, are listening to the podcast. And I do hope that uh, they have received information that is useful to them. And I wish them all the best. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Nadine. Thank you for listening to the Recharge Your Life podcast. Please sign up for our newsletter at abracigroup.com and follow us on social media. You can find us on LinkedIn at Abrachi Group, Instagram at Warriors of HR, and Twitter at Warriors underscore HR. Remember to subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and please tell a friend. And be sure to drop us a note on how you are recharging your life. We can't wait to hear from you.